Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Insurance can be hard. That's why Geico makes it easy with 24-7 claim service and on-the-go policy info in the app. It's easy to Geico. The people have spoken. They have said, we want more. Tyler Fulgham, ask and ye shall receive. People, you're smart. You know what you're talking about. Yeah, they do. <laughs> this is like You are like the inverse of the person that was voted off in Survivor. You have survived tribal council. I have. You didn't even get a single oh. vote. Well, they no, want you back. It's better than um, my run on Guy's Grocery Games. I did get voted <laughs> off there. Oh, so yes. At least this is salvaging some sort of dignity, some sort of ego for me that you, the people, have voted me back on Fantasy Focus. That's I'll a good it. question. Like, what do you think is more notable or prominent on the resume of right. an individual yeah. in some sort of broadcast media? An appearance on Guy's Grocery Games right. or an appearance on the Fantasy Focus? I think the Fantasy Focus... Yeah is a more prominent bullet on the resume. Right. However, mm. I would have much re- preferred the $35,000 that came with winning Guys Grocery Games because I don't think, Field, you're giving me thirty-five k for this appearance. Wait, did, did Daniel not disclose what he makes per episode? What? What? Daniel, if you're watching right now, you owe Tyler an apology. I need to talk to my agent. It is just north of 35000 bucks per episode. That's why we do so many <laughs> okay, episodes well, during the year. Strike that from the Times record. are good right now. <laughs> Tyler here to hang out with us. Uh, Daniel's still under the weather. He will be back sometime. Uh, Mike Clay, grinding away. Stefania, actually traveling for a really cool work assignment, it sounds oh, like. Awesome. So Tyler, back by popular demand, oh. and because he was so great last week, and because you want to preview this Thursday night football game very badly. Do I? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, 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 in the 28 and a half, 29 range. But in the 2000s, I'm not sure we have seen this. Because I, mean, I feel like, a, in, you know, first of all, different era of football now, right? right? I right, mean, guys exactly. are routinely throwing for 4,000, 5,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Second of all, um, like, you know, rule changes have helped too, right? Uh, 100%. Defenses have been dramatically restricted. Hard to play defense. It is, yes. Uh, after the, uh, the old Patriots-Colts rivalry <laughs> in the early 2000s in which the mm-hmm. Colts got upset about the Patriots playing physical. Um, and then beyond that, we also have, um, like, there's no weather involved, right? Like, it sounds like it's going to be a reasonable night tonight. Like, there's the occasional, like, it's going to be, uh, you know, a monsoon. 60-mile-an-hour uh, wind gusts, that kind of thing. Commanders played the 49ers a few years ago in a 9-6 game. Yeah. The 49ers played the Bears last year in the season opener. Some weird ones like that. Doesn't sound like that's going to be the case tonight here for the Bears. Sorry, for the Patriots and the Steelers. Let's dive into it all the same because, of course, it is Thursday Night Football and we still do love to watch our football. The Steelers play host to the Patriots. Patriots 2-10. The Steelers Mm 7-5 somehow, Tyler. Let's begin with the Patriots side because they're usually like a little more succinct of a conversation here. Ezekiel Elliott is going to start for the Patriots at running back tonight as Ramondre Stevenson has already been ruled out. What is your confidence level in Mr. Elliott tonight as a potential starting running back in your lineup? Well, I think the confidence comes in two questions. Am I confident he's going to get opportunity? Absolutely. Uh, 15, 20, 20 plus touches for Ezekiel Elliott, I definitely see coming. They have no other option. They do not. He is by default their best offensive weapon. And that's saying something that 
2023 version of Zeke is your best offensive weapon. So he will get fed the football. He will have no competition in that backfield. Yeah. Now, what will he do with those opportunities? That's a good question. Generally, on volume alone, we are comfortable with starting someone. So in daily fantasy, I'm playing Ezekiel Elliott in my Thursday through Monday lineups. Yep. Um, if I have him as my RB2 or flex, I feel really, really good. If he's my yep. RB1, I feel a little less confident. Yeah, he had 13.2 fantasy points last week. That was a season high. It was also his biggest workload right. of the season. Played 69% of the snaps. And you have to kind of project this now into the Ramondre Stevenson role. Maybe not quite as explosive as Ramondre. Ramondre averaging more yards per carry and certainly a better big play threat than Zeke is. But this year, Ramondre Stevenson is averaging 17.25 combined rushes and targets per game. Now, that includes, by the way, the game last week in which he got hurt in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. So if you throw that game out, that average goes even closer to 18 or 18 and a half per game. So if Zeke is going to get... 17, 18, 19, 20 opportunities, as you noted, you're probably going to consider that player a pretty reasonable start in fantasy, especially because while the Patriots are not a good offense, they have blocked well in the running game. That's the one thing they have done okay so far this season along the offensive line. The concerns for Zeke would just be the ceiling because of the fact that the Patriots are so infrequently scoring touchdowns. But if he gets 15 carries, three targets, and finds the end zone tonight, you have the potential for a 20-point Ezekiel Elliott game. And That feels the, like a lot, but it's possible. No, I agree. Because I was going to say, although the Pats are expected maybe to score 13 points in this game, a touchdown and a couple of field goals, what's more likely, Bailey Zappi converting that touchdown through the air to whoever's playing wide receiver yep. or a two-yard Ezekiel Elliott touchdown run? Seems like the, the latter to me, no doubt about it. And along those Patriots lines, because of the fact that there is no Pop Douglas tonight, he has mm. been ruled out because of a concussion, we're sort of down to like the, the the slimmest of pickings amongst Patriots wide receivers. Devontae Parker had a decent day last week in that pouring rain. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't stun me if Parker was okay tonight, but he, he would be to me just like a very deep yep. league desperation play. And I know this stuff doesn't actually matter, but it does to me. If I'm going to go out on a limb on a player, like it would be to go out on a limb for Devontae Parker. I don't like doing it on Thursday night. Okay. Because you know why? Because if it doesn't work out, opportunity cost. It's like I have to stew on that for the next yeah. three days. Yeah, I've said that before on the show, and I stand by it. Like I get it. If he hits for fifteen and a half fantasy points tonight, you'll be like, all right, like you know, like to whom you know, go big or go home. It worked <laughs> out, right? Um, but I would just be nervous about you know, having a three for twenty-seven night tonight, and then be staring at a five point seven point effort for basically, you know, 60 hours until the kickoffs on Sunday morning. So I would pass on Patriots wide receivers. Um, is there anybody else in Patriots offense? Of course, no, right? No. Let's talk Steelers then. Uh, for the Steelers, <laughs> we know that there is no Kenny Pickett tonight. It's going to be Mitch Trubisky. We don't exactly know on Najee Harris. He's questionable, but there's been reporting from a variety of different places that he will play tonight. The question I have is, do you feel as though, I'll give you three options. Okay. Start Najee, sit Jalen. Jalen Warren, of course. Start Jalen Warren, sit Najee. Or start, I guess there's four options. Start both or sit both. Oh, Four, a multiple. It's like the SAT right now. Yeah, okay. I, I did all right at testing, so I want to eliminate. No surprise I, I want to eliminate start both. Okay. I do not want to start both. Okay, This got is a it. terrible matchup. New England ranks first in the NFL in yards per rush allowed, defensive rush EPA, and defensive rush success rate. They're a great, yeah, they good, are. great run defense. Yep. And then having Mitchell Trubisky as quarterback is going to further incentivize Bill Belichick to sell out against the one option they have on offense, which is running the football. So I'm only starting one of them. Okay. 
And I think Warren is the better bet because he's just the more explosive player. Right. That's the hard part about this is that the Met, it's hard to find a volume metric that supports either one of them as the only one that you can play over the past five games. Najee has 15 or more carries in four of those five games. However, he has 13 total receiving yards in those five games. He has scored four touchdowns. That's kept him afloat. Jalen Warren, by the way, in that same five game stretch has two games with at least a hundred yards and a rushing touchdown. He also has three catches and three of five yards. So that kind of makes the argument that you were suggesting, which is that if you had to pick one in a bad matchup, you're probably hoping for a little bit of passing game utilization and the chance for one big play to pop. Who of those two backs presents a better big play opportunity plus passing game weapon. It's probably Jalen Warren where I netted out is ranking them right next to each other. 26 and 27 <laughs> on my running back big board, which means that in a 10 team league mm-hmm. with two running backs, they're flexes for me in a 12 team league. They're right there on the border of being a second running back. Um, but like there is some risk involved because while the Patriots obviously offensively are very, very bad defensively, they have been pretty solid. So uh, I think probably usable in a decent number of Mm -hmm. leagues because of size, but um, there are some risks involved based off of recent trends between these two players, especially Najee Harris. Let's talk about the wide receivers then. So of course, as we know, the Patriots, I'm sorry, the Steelers have made a coordinator change in recent weeks on offense. They also now have a new quarterback in Mitch Trubisky as opposed to Kenny Pickett. I'm not sure what that means for the passing game. Do you feel confident in either Deontay Johnson or George Pickens? Not really. It's similar to the running back discussion. Um, Deontay, we know, gets that volume. He gets that opportunity. George Pickens, the big play threat out of that bunch. And Pat Fryermuth is all of a sudden kind of reemerged and not have the same week he had last week that he had prior. But I'm really not interested much in any type of weapon in this game. Ezekiel Elliott, as we discussed, is probably the only one you can start with confidence. Every other player in this environment comes with significant risk that there are no touchdowns scored by the the offense that is a well within the realm of possibility for both the Patriots and the Steelers in this game. So are we playing the kickers tonight at least? Chris Boswell and Chad Riley. I think for the, the defense Patriots? special teams are the best players. That, I that's think a good Steelers point. defense yeah. and Patriots defense are Certainly actually have been. behind Zeke the two best plays in this game. So what's interesting about Pittsburgh is that I think that all five of Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, George Pickens, and Deontay Johnson and Pat Farmouth are good players, mm-hmm. like good talented yeah, players, agreed. right? For New England, uh, like I just think the talent's like a lower tier than for Pittsburgh. So there's the opportunity, of course, for any of those guys to have a reasonable night. With Deontay Johnson, I think, as we know, the two question marks with Deontay are touch on upside. Right. He has two this season, which gives him two between now and the start of the 2022 season. Good year for Deontay. And he's had just 90 receiving <laughs> yards in one game this year. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't eclipsed 90 total receiving yards in a single game this season. Meanwhile, George Pickens, what a mystery player he is, right? Over his past five games, here are his catch totals. Four, three, four, three, and two. Four, three, four, three, and two. In the past five games, he has five or fewer targets in six straight games. So the volume is not sort of congruent with the kind of player he is, right? He's a really talented guy. That's kind of been the story of George Pickens since the pre-draft process, tantalizing in terms of ability, 
but not exactly a guy that you can count on week in and week out because of the offense that he plays in, which is why both he and Deontay Johnson are ranked outside my top 30, generally the wide receiver cutoff in terms Mm -hmm. of starter versus not starter for week 14. This Patriots defense uh, is down. Obviously, they're their two best players, but certainly their best cornerback in Deion and excuse me, in Christian Gonzalez. So it's not like they have this like lockdown star that you're concerned about. But they're just good on defense. Yeah, they're, they're a Bill Belichick coach team. They're a walking top ten defense. Yeah, I, I, again, this is just an environment where you really want nothing to do with the game. Again, defense and special teams may be the the best options outside of Zeke. I I was begging Field Yates for yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs to draft George Pickens when he came out of Georgia. Yeah, I would love to see him in an offense with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, or just surrounded by more talent, because I think Pickens is an absolute stud. Yeah. An absolute stud. So it's a shame that he's kind of withering away in this offense. We've seen what he can do when he's been given those opportunities. Hopefully this offense and this quarterback can find ways to access him down the stretch because he's a he's a difference maker he certainly is he's got plenty of talent he just needs more consistency so we'll see whether anybody pops tonight and what does project to be a low scoring game which leads to an interesting game pick patriots steelers game being played in pittsburgh tyler who are you taking uh, straight up, or am I accounting for the points? No, straight up. Straight up, I'll take the Steelers. Okay, Steelers. I will take the Steelers. Okay. If I have to account for the points, the Patriots actually become a little more intriguing. Patriots, uh, seven one-score losses already this season. The Steelers find a way to grind out wins. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. What uh, what genre of music do you find yourself most gravitating towards these days? I'm a uh, you know classic millennial who loves 80s, 90s, early 2000s pop, old school hip hop, rap, okay, got it. and EDM. Okay, got it. Uh, there's one of my favorite country songs. It's completely unrelated to football. It's uh, <laughs> Billy Currington. I got a feeling. I think it's about love, but whatever. Um, I got a feeling. Patriots tonight. Patriots tonight. Feels weird to say. Yeah. Okay, you're a country guy because I saw on the last or the earlier fantasy focus episode this week you were shouting out a Darius uh, Rucker and, yeah. and, and, and no, Dave and, Barnes yeah and he hollered back at you saying oh, yeah. he's a huge fan of yours and the fantasy focus yeah I paid him to say that well, part you but didn't have still. to tell the people that oh sorry I forgot we were live <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I, it's it's a it's a weird feeling I'm not sure how strong that feeling is and it might actually be in the Patriots' best interest to not win tonight oh, yeah. to keep that uh, top two draft pick that they currently have but. Imagine if the Steelers lost them back-to-back weeks to the Cardinals and the Patriots in a span of four days. Eesh. And, by the way, if the Chiefs beat the Bills on Sunday, the Steelers would still have the inside track on a wild-card yeah, spot over Buffalo. And, and, Crazy. Wild-card. It's called the wild-card for a reason, right? And it's producing wild results and wild entertainment for the viewers. It should not surprise anyone in a game featuring Bailey Zappi and Mitchell Trubisky, whoever wins. I mean, yeah. this, is, this could go a million different ways. Yeah, so. it really could. There's some interesting Wouldn't names surprise me at quarterback all this weekend. All right, let's go to the preview of Week 14. Uh, great stuff, as always, so far with Tyler. And we're going to do part one of our Week 14 preview, and we begin with the Dolphins. And a reminder, Tyler, we have two Monday night football games. They're yeah. played at the same time, 8-15, one on ESPN, one on ABC. You will see Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Lisa Salters on the ESPN broadcast for the 8-15 game between the Packers and the Giants. Then you will see on the Dolphins and the Titans game. The great broadcast team, of course, of Chris Fowler, Laura Rutledge, Lewis Riddick, Dan Orlovsky talking Dolphins and Titans. And that brings us to the Dolphins backfield here. All right. Devon Achan, how we'll talk about how this backfield is going to shake out. And let me just do, let's, let's do the easy part. Mm-hmm. You're playing Devon Achan. Yeah. Okay. He has four games that he has actually played this year. He left one early and then one was his first game of his NFL career where he was held to one total opportunity. Mm-hmm. Throw away those two games. Right. The other four, his lowest scoring output is 21.5 points. Oh, 
21.5 is his his floor in four games that he has played. He is going to eventually not score 21.5 fantasy points in a game, but you're not going to be the person (laughs) that benches him waiting for that to happen, right? You're going to be the person that continues to play Devon HN in hopes that maybe even if he plays, I don't know, if he has 12 carries and Mm -hmm. two catches, 14, that's like a reason. That's not great, but it's reasonable. 14, he turns it into 25 fantasy points because he is yet another track level athlete on the fastest offense since probably your Rams back in the, you know, fastest show on turf way back in the day, greatest show on turf, Mm -hmm. I should say, back in the day. So HN, a lock inside our top 10. Raheem Mostert, though, is kind of interesting, Tyler. He is one that I imagine Mike Clay has a hard time projecting him because Mike is so pragmatic and so good about just like following what like opportunity tells you. Right. And yet he's clung to life in recent weeks. Are you feeling confident about Raheem Mostert, yay or nay? Yeah, I I do feel confident in Raheem Mostert. I see your guys ranking here, um, and I'm You're a little defy the ranks. I, I'm a little uh, I don't want to say shocked, but I think you guys are maybe a little not quite as optimistic or ambitious as I am. The Dolphins are a 13 point home favorite. They are, and yeah. that is a game script environment that is a massive correlation for running back success. Now, it looks like you're projecting it for HN, which I understand because his efficiency is something that's almost impossible to project with how dynamic he is. But Mostert is still a very good runner. He leads the NFL in touchdowns right now. 16. I I would almost, not guarantee, but I would predict very strongly that Mostert, as a 13-point home favorite running back, is likely going to find Pater. The Dolphins are expected to score 30-plus points again here. So what... Part of that pie does Mostert get? I imagine maybe at least one TD, and that's valuable. And if, if he has a touchdown, he'll pay off. Yeah, he will. He has 16 in the first 12 games of the year. He certainly average. could score on yep. Sunday, on Monday, excuse me. Uh, the reason why I have him a little bit lower is just that touchdowns are generally, maybe not for this offense, but generally hard to come by and Fair. count on. He did play 39% of the snaps last week as well. It was the Devon Achan show in a game that was a 14 point game, right? Like they beat the, I mean, they were beating up on the, on the commanders by more than that for much of the game. So in an environment that I think is comparable to what you are describing, the idea of like a big point spread and a big lead during the game, is there going to be more Raheem Mostert? Maybe, but I've got him a little bit lower just because it feels like he has been like his fingernails are on like the cliff <laughs> and he is just like holding on for dear life. I don't Sylvester know. Sylvester I, I, I feel like, like yes, yes. That was a weird way of me sort of, <laughs> Miming, pantomiming it. You're but not yes. hanging onto a cliff like this. I don't, I don't know how you would do grab that. that. I'm sucker. air quoting it. Yeah, grab the thing. <laughs> Anyways, um, yes, that's Raheem Mostert in some ways, but he's been so good yeah. for so long yeah. that there are probably people that are saying, I'm not benching that guy until he turns into like an absolute zero in fantasy. And, and Mike McDaniel was writing Devon Achan as the guy to salt the game away in the second half. If yeah. they build this big lead against the Titans and replicate the game plan they used last week, that's Achan time and garbage time, God, which I crazy. understand makes him more valuable. But there's a possibility that could flip. Yep. You know, we haven't quite established what the pattern is going to be with these two from Mike McDaniel. Let's talk about Brees Hall, Jets running back. Uh, who missed practice Wednesday with an ankle injury. We'll track that and see whether he is uh, able to practice today. Uh, if if not, then this this conversation could be, you know, sort of blown to smithereens. But let's assume that he does play on Sunday. The Jets play the Texans. You trusting Brees Hall this week? Depends on your scoring system. Okay. PPR, PPR versus not? Yep. Yeah. That's I'm it. absolutely right. trusting him. I mean, let, let's break this down. In yeah. standard scoring leagues, or just in any type of league, yep. Brees Hall is, over the last six games, since week six, yep producing 3.7 rushing points per game. That's rushing yards and touchdowns. Yeah. Now, in a PPR league, he's adding an extra 11 crazy. receiving yeah. points per game from <laughs> receptions, yards, and receiving touchdowns. Yep. So, Bingo. depends on your scoring. 
if he is a valuable or not valuable start. Yeah, to that point, 23 targets over the past three games for Brees Hall. He's going to get opportunities in the passing game. Zach Wilson back under center for the Jets. I'm not sure that makes a difference in the value of Brees <laughs> right. Hall one way or the other, but if you play in PBR scoring, crank him up. If not, you're counting on a touchdown, which he's the only guy in the Jets offense that you think is a yeah. good bet to score a touchdown, right. but still not exactly a major bet because of the way that this offense is rolling right now. I do think, though, that the Jets defense gives them a chance every week to play competitive game script friendly games where Brees Hall gets those chances. He also, by the way, like while he's making his money as a receiver right now in PPR scoring, he has 105 carries in his last eight games. Like that's over 13 per game. So it's he's still getting enough and he has a big play threat, right? Like he could match those five catches on Sunday with you know, 12 carries for 85 yards as well. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's that talented. He is that much of a game breaker, even behind a poor offensive line and in a bad offense in general. You and I see it the same way. I've got him inside my top 17 for running backs okay. this week in PPR scoring. I think Baltimore is a little bit trickier in some ways though, Tyler, because you've got Keaton Mitchell and Gus Edwards. Do you have any confidence here in Keaton Mitchell? Let's start there because I think the Gus Edwards case is a little bit more on vibes. And I think it's a little bit more straightforward. I, I think I like the roll of the dice on Keaton Mitchell a bit more than Gus Edwards. Let's start with the matchup against the Rams. Baltimore coming off the bye. Yeah. They are fresh. The Rams getting feisty in mm-hmm. the NFC. They are. Rams have been a good run defense. They're more of a pass funnel, so you want right. to throw against them more than run against them. They're seventh in the National Football League in terms of points per game allowed. Seventh fewest to opposing running backs wow. okay. as far as fantasy is concerned. So they've been good against running backs. However, Mitchell's clearly the more explosive player, yep. and his snap share has increased every single game. Now the post week or the post by rookie bump could be coming. He went from 18% to 24% to 36% to 46% snap share in that game against the Chargers. Now yep. coming out of the bye, he could be a 50 plus percent snap share running back for the Baltimore Ravens as a home favorite. So I'm, I think I'd rather roll the dice on Mitchell than Edwards, even though Edwards has been great this year. So you made the really good case on Keaton Mitchell. It's the idea that like he might play more snaps. And if he gets, if you, if you told me both of them got 10 carries, I would expect Keaton Mitchell to have right. way more yards. Right. And if they both got two targets, I would expect one of those to maybe be a big play for Keaton yep. Mitchell because this guy can flat out fly. The Gus Edwards case is pretty straightforward, though, is that he also might get 10 or 12 carries. And Christian McCaffrey leads the NFL in terms of goal-to-go carries inside the five-yard yeah. line. Next up, Gus That's Edwards. Us. He's uh, at a 13 to 15 for Christian McCaffrey. So uh, he is as good a bet as anybody not named CMC to get opportunities to score a touchdown and punch it in, which is why he has clung to life. He had that stretch where he had six rushing touchdowns in three games, including three in one game. So certainly has some upside there. They just have to be near the end zone yeah. for him to achieve. And I think they upside. will be. I think it's a good spot for the Ravens yep. coming out of the bye. I know the Rams have been good, but I expect the Ravens to win this game and kind of assert their dominance. Yep. Uh, ooh, you think so? Yeah. You're yeah. not doing the clay reverse jinx now, are you? Because you're a Rams fan. It's a bad spot for the Rams. Okay. Uh, they're coming off some, again, really close, tough games. Now they're traveling to Baltimore. Baltimore has the rest advantage. And uh, it's hard to throw against Baltimore. It's it hard. Yeah. If the Rams were in LA and Matt Stafford didn't have to deal with as much crowd noise and could make checks to the line of scrimmage, I would feel better about the Rams offense, but this is, I think the really the only opportunity they have is Kyron Williams having a monster game. And I think that's a low probability. I really see struggles for Stafford, Cooper cup and Puka Nakua in the spot. God, I hate to hear that. I was talking about uh, Cooper cup yesterday with Mike and just trying to find some reasons to cling to life. I don't think Cooper's dead yet. Okay. I don't think he's dead yet, but I don't think this is the spot where his Uh, fantasy. When is the spot coming then? We're going to next week. uh, They have a, 
pretty soft schedule do down the, the stretch. They and do. when they come back to LA and Cooper gets a little healthier, I think he could be a difference maker okay. in the fantasy a little, little vitamin D that he yes. is getting by living in LA yes. in December that those of yes. us who live in Connecticut are not <laughs> getting, as you guys can tell right now, battling through it myself. <laughs> Let's talk about the Seahawks running backs. And both of them missed practice yesterday. Let's start there. So Kenneth Walker the third because of an oblique injury. Meanwhile, uh, Zach Charbonnet because of a knee injury. It mm-hmm. did sound like a... Walker, I think, was spotted yesterday by reporters, so he was not practicing officially. That being said, he maybe is trending up compared to where he has been since leaving that game a couple of weeks ago, and then, of course, missing last week. Would you play one or the other? Do you feel like it's a pretty clear gap? And, of course, the gap would likely mean uh, you are playing Kenneth Walker the third, or are you concerned just in general about this backfield? Yeah, I, I don't like the spot for either. Okay. The Niners are maybe the best run defense, one of certainly in the National Football League. They allow the fewest rushing yards per game. That's because you can't really run on them that often because yep. they build such a massive lead. Fewest attempts as well, yeah. That type of game script, I think, fits more the Zach Charbonnet. If okay. he's healthy, he yep. is the better um, third down pass catching back. So if I had to default from one to the other based on anticipated game script, it would be Charbonnet. But I think this is a backfield to stay away from altogether. Hope you get a similar game script to what happened last week with yep. Seattle surprising Dallas with their ability to move the football through the air. I'd much rather invest in Seattle receivers than the running backs. I would agree with you on that. I want the passing game to right. get going on Sunday. I feel like there's a chance in San Francisco, even even if it's because they're playing from behind by multiple scores. I lean to Kenneth Walker the third because of the fact that he's a much better big play threat, yeah, right? right? So in a bad matchup, if one of them's going to bust a 50-yard run against sure. this awesome San Francisco defense, I think it's Kenneth Walker the third as opposed to Zach Charbonnet. I will note this, though. The reason why Kenneth Walker the third is so low in my rankings, uh, beyond what you mentioned in terms of the matchup, is he has not scored a touchdown since October 15th. He has exactly one catch in four straight games. So you are kind of counting on the touchdowns and the big play rushes that you got from Walker early in the season and that you got for a healthy stretch of last year as well. But they do make me nervous. I can't imagine the last time Kenneth Walker III was healthy enough to play in a game in which I also had him as RB25. That's low for a guy with his pedigree. Mm -hmm. Low, low. Interesting game, though. Seahawks, very desperate. They go at San Francisco, and then the following week, Seahawks Philadelphia Monday Night Football. Tough part. Six and six Seahawks. Your your Rams now six and six Packers now six and six. I think it is a Vikings six and six. A difficult road to hoe for the Seahawks into the postseason. Look at that stretch of games they've lost. Both games against the Rams. So the Rams owe that tiebreaker against them. Difficult road to hoe. Um, Man, I mean, I, I will say this: they have the rest advantage. Maybe San Francisco has a little letdown after the big win and maybe they can keep this close, uh, a closer game. But if the Niners show up and play their A game, it's a beat down. I would hope, I really mean this now, like I would hope at this juncture of the season, Philadelphia, Dallas, San Francisco are past the letdown games because there's so much at stake right now. Mm -hmm. Three-way tie. Well, it could be a three-way tie by the end of this weekend for the best record in the NFC. Like there should, that alone should be motivation enough for all of them to not overlook anybody, even a team that could be sort of going the opposite way right now in Seattle, who I thought was really really gritty last week when they played against the Cowboys on Thursday night football. We got more talk on the NFC specifically, including the Buccaneers wide receivers. Plus Jameis time in new Orleans in just a moment. But first a word from our friends over at Geico home auto prize, sports memorabilia, whatever you need to protect Geico can help get you covered. 
And with the award-winning Geico mobile app, you can get 24-7 claim support and on-the-go policy access. It's easy to Geico. Go to geico.com today. And level up your game day with Vivid Seats and get great tickets to the biggest games of the year. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code FFF. That's code FFF. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. All right, back here on Fantasy Focus. Tyler Fulton, very kindly hanging out in place of the rest of the crew. Your first name is Michael. Michael, yeah. Why Tyler then? told the world my government name. been trying to hide it. Oh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. My bad. I was saying, plus, <laughs> just kidding. You guys know how, but you know when uh, when you have someone on your phone and they change uh-huh, yes. either their name or their photo, it, the app will suggest that you you can update it? Yeah. So yeah. you're Michael Fulgen yeah. in, my, in my phone. Yeah, so I, I got a software upgrade on my iPhone uh, and my iPhone, I mean, Apple knows everything, so they know my government name. And yes. so like it, it like asked me, do you want to, na- I didn't know how to change the settings. I didn't want to go through it. So I just said Michael Fulgen as my, as my name. But I didn't know my name feel was Michael until I was like six years old till really? I, I got to kindergarten and they uh, ask, you know, they do roll call. Right. You know, so I am enrolled as my government name, Michael Fulgham in yeah. kindergarten. And the teacher goes, Michael Fulgham. I'm like, no, my name's Tyler. Like, no, we have Michael here. I'm like, well, my name's Tyler. I don't tell you. That must've been very confusing. And so six. I go home and ask mom, like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. The teachers call me Michael's like, oh, well, you know, we've always called you Tyler because your sisters like that name better than Michael, but you're First name is actually your Michael. sisters have that much influence yeah. at a young age. Yeah. What's the what's the uh, age gap between you and your sisters? I have four older sisters. You have four sisters? Four older sisters. Oh my God. Um, and and you're one of five. I'm one of six. I have a younger brother, and then I have step siblings. Massive family. Thanksgiving yeah. fun. Christmas fun. Wow. Um, you know, a a, a very bifurcated, um, diverse family. A lot what's of different the age marriages. Gap start to finish. Uh, my oldest sister. Um, or, they all look great. For their age, sure. by the way. So good genes. Yeah. Um, my oldest sister is 54. Okay. My youngest sister is six years older than me. Okay. So they range from 54 to like 44, 45. And then your brother is how old? My brother is 30. He's a year and a half younger than me. So he's 38. God bless your mother. Yeah. 37 now. That's yeah, my un- mom had a prolific 19-year birthing career. Wow. 18 year birthing. Career. That's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah we, I mean, we Good feel Irish like two stock. kids is a lot right now. <laughs> and I can only imagine six. Yeah. That is now shout. she's got like 30 grandkids that, you know, she oh, has to she babysit must be from fired time. Up so she, that. Loves, yeah. Yeah, she loves life when the grandkids come. Well, up. she'll be out to Connecticut one day, visit us and come I will pay mama. her proper respects and come say that mama. you are a legend for, uh, for <laughs> I mean, for six children. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but you went by full by, by Michael Fulgham. Most importantly, I think you have maybe overlooked in that iPhone update or that Apple software update or whatever. Did you see now that when you text somebody who has the green bubbles and you either acknowledge with the thumbs up or the ha ha or yep. the exclamation point or the thumbs down, maybe one of those, it now allows you to do that. Okay. Back in the day, like if, if a person with an Android texted yeah. you and you responded with like a thumbs up, it would say, it would say whatever your, whatever your content field likes like, yeah, that message. Right. The dumbest thing ever. Okay. They finally got that right. Perhaps this is optimism for humanity. Yes. iPhones and Androids can now coexist and be used together. Perhaps that is optimism for humanity that we as people can come together and salvage the mess that we're in right now. There we go. I love that way that you just tied that all together. By the way, it was funny to me that like my friends who are Apple nerds were Mm -hmm. like, yeah, Android is a bunch of 
you know, jerks and wouldn't do it. <laughs> Man, one of my friends that were Android nerds were like, Apple, yeah, typical yeah. selfish behavior, wouldn't do it. So well, I'm not sure who was to blame, but thankfully now we can thumbs up or down peace believe. and harmony. We yes, there is. Peace and harmony. Um, I'm going to thumbs up Mike Evans and thumbs down Chris Godwin so far this season. Are we riding? I mean, oh, oh gosh. When it comes to Mike Evans, yeah. like, again, this is the he category is. that, like, there are players you just play. Yep. You and I had this conversation about DK Metcalf last week, and it was funny. It was like, I was very appreciative of it, uh, but I also felt like, um, truthfully, like, I, I don't love to just like celebrate the wins. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I consider our job, our responsibility is to try our best to both inform and entertain the masses. Yep. Right? You nailed we're it. not going to be right all the time. But with DK Metcalf, there were a lot of people that were like, dude, you nailed it. Like, you just played DK Metcalf last week when you, when you and I were talking about it. I felt like that was like a fairly like on the um, on the win spectrum. That mm-hmm. was like, okay, like I, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. But like, it's like, that was like a, you know, a one seed beating a six. Yeah, that was right? like, yeah. It was like you play him, right? Mike Evans, same category, same right? You play your guys category. that are that good. So uh, he has been unbelievable. He scored a touchdown in nine of 12 games this year. That's a ridiculous clip. Uh, he's just been so, so good up over a thousand yards again this season, but it's much more complicated with Chris Godwin. Yeah. How are we feeling about this Chris Godwin play this week? Here's the issue for both of these wide receivers. Yep. Um, Mike Evans has always been great. Chris Godwin has always been good. When Tom Brady was the quarterback of the Buccaneers, Chris Godwin was great because Brady liked to throw to the areas of the field that Chris Godwin operates. Right. Now you bring in Baker Mayfield. He does not play quarterback the same way that Tom Brady does. Yeah. He is willing to stand in the pocket and he wants to push that ball vertical downfield. Mike Evans, one of the best to ever do it in that realm. Yes. Chris Godwin, certainly not. And he's the opportunities are lower because... Mayfield is just trying to get the ball aggressively downfield. So it's hard to trust Chris Godwin. It's hard to believe in Chris Godwin. Not only is he getting older, but his quarterback doesn't like to throw to those areas of the field. So Mike Evans, as you said, thumbs up. Chris Godwin. I've got him as wide receiver 37. So I'm definitely on thumbs down for Chris Godwin. But if you're looking for like reasons to be optimistic or you have to play cross Chris Godwin, there are a couple. One, the last time these two teams played, the Falcons and the Buccaneers, he had 12 targets, okay. right? He did have a stretch where he got hot earlier this year. He is still Chris, capital C, Godwin, capital G, right? <laughs> or capital G, gosh, you probably said that wrong, but still, you guys get the point. Second of all, Todd Bowles a couple days ago, we need to get him the ball in reference to Chris okay. Godwin. Some coach so, speak. yep, when there's some coach speak here, that maybe gives you a bit of optimism, but wide receiver 37 for me, coming off of a zero catch game last week. Mike and Daniel both... Actually, that's Mike and the consensus ranks. Mike, higher wide receiver 31. I will say one other thing about just this game. We have been concerned about a little bit of weather this week. A lot of totals have dropped around the league because of inclement weather possibilities and wind. This is one of five games in a dome. So if you are trying to find a tiebreaker in terms of game environment, I like to, especially in December, right. more than other months, default to a game in a dome because there's a much higher probability that things can pop off in a way that's unexpected when you don't have to deal with any elements. This game in a dome, just if you need a tiebreaker, consider that. For a second, I was wondering like whether I missed some like big story from like front <laughs> office sports yesterday that uh, like the Mercedes-Benz dome had lost heat. <laughs> it was going to be 27 degrees in the dome on Sunday because Atlanta was having an unseasonably yeah. cold winter or something like that or December. Okay, so that's good. That was good news right there. I love the uh, dome environments. Uh, do you have a strong take on that? Do you feel like uh, all NFL games should be played inside of a dome? No, I don't think all should be played inside of a dome. Okay. No, I don't have a strong take, but I don't I know. Really it's know. like, you know, the fantasy football guy <sighs> yeah. in me yeah. sometimes does. 
I think, though, that provides an edge for fantasy football players. If you have a strong take like I do that this week I want, as, and if I'm playing daily fantasy, I want as many guys in a dome that are unaffected by the weather. I know. If you can make that strong take and you're right on it, you eliminate half the wrong possible answers just, around the league. I just feel like watching some of those games last week, right? Like uh, Pittsburgh has two weather delays last week. Yeah, and like Justin Herbert brutal, is dude. a shell of himself playing brutal. through a downpour. The Jets game was a mess as well. You're just like, I don't know, man. So you're a proponent for doming everything I'm not going to lie to you. Like the, the, you know, 90% of me says no, 10% of me that is incredibly, I mean, there's more I than understand. 10% that's very selfish of me, but the 10, the, the most, appeal. the 10 most selfish percent of me <laughs> wants every game to be played in a dome because I want, you know, ideal kicking conditions. Mm-hmm. I want, you know, big play upside in the passing game, all of it. I don't want guys tripping over themselves. How about this regular season? Yeah. Whatever weather environments. When we get to the playoffs and the best are playing the best, let's try and make it as even as possible. During the 2020 COVID season, I think they were talking about trying to get the playoffs, like maybe putting it into the bubble, right? Now, Packers fans are going to hate that. Maybe even Chiefs fans are going to hate that. Bears fans, if your team is good and you have that elemental advantage, but I will say for the viewing audience, for the consumer. Yeah. I mean, I I grew up in Massachusetts and when the Patriots, uh, and again, this, I know this is wild to people whose brains apparently have forgotten that like things besides the past (laughs) few years exist, but the Patriots were, and they still are an awesome defensive team. They were a defensive team early in their first run of three straight Super Bowls. They used to, I mean, they played on like not just grass, but the slowest grass, you know how like, Somehow, after a game in which the field gets torn apart, these grounds crews make it look like, you know, like a green of the gusta yeah. by the next morning. Yeah. The Patriots would have a game in which it would rain for like seven hours prior to the game, and they would take the tarp off, let it get totally crappy. The players would be out there warming up like before kickoff. They wanted that thing to be a friggin' pile of lava <laughs> to run through, like, you know, like quicksand. Yeah. Like it was an Slow advantage down. for them, right? Because when they were playing the Colts. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. They would play, go back and watch, uh, I think it was Ty Law had three interceptions in the AFC championship game against the Colts. And the field was, it was a sandbox. It was yeah. so unplayable, but that's, was their advantage, right? I mean, take I can't, it. Yeah, take it. 100%. Yeah. It's like yeah. the Minnesota Twins back at the old Metrodome used yes. to turn on the AC when yeah, the baby. opposing team was at bat just to make sure that fly ball to center dies at the warning say, track. Respects that like the AC system worked fast enough that it would <laughs> yeah, right. like, like I feel like most AC systems like they're, they're providing cold to mm-hmm. a, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of square foot space probably would need like a couple hours to actually yeah, register. Dude. No, no. The Not twins Minnesota. had to figure out a long time ago. Let's talk Jameis Winston. I love oh, Jameis. Just Jameis. fun guy. One of my favorite athletes just in general. I agree. Did you see him? Was it last week or the week prior where a, like a, like an old school rap song came yeah. on and Jameis mm-hmm. like just got, I know it was against Atlanta. Rapping, yeah. he, was, he was rapping it at Derek Great. Carr, I believe, yes, on the sideline. So funny. I love this guy. I have a group chat with all my you know college buddies and Jameis Winston is their favorite quarterback yeah. in the NFL because of his antics, his... YOLO style. Totally. Yeah. yeah I mean, Once he, Ryan Fitzpatrick retired, yeah. Jameis took over Pro's for me. Pro. Now Love we got, those guys. Yeah. Now we got Jameis. So let's talk about this uh, passing game. Chris Olave. You trusted him this week? Oh, yeah. Chris Olave fits exactly how Jameis wants to play, which is similar to Baker Mayfield. Yolo, he wants to take some chances and Olave can win anywhere on the field, intermediate, deep. And I think Jameis knows that Olave is his best wide receiver and he's going to lock on him first read early and often. How about this? Seven straight games with eight or more targets. I'll take it. That's a good number right there. In those seven games, by the way, four of them, he has at least 94 receiving yards, including two games over 100. Baby. So, yeah, we're right there. I mean, Chris Olave started him this week. Yep. Um, I don't know exactly what the, uh, like, the quarterback situation, I think, is going to be Jameis. Mm-hmm. 
The door has been left open for Derek Carr. Yesterday, he practiced. Oh. Limited basis. Derek Carr, uh, according to Dennis Allen, is a more of a concern because he's still in the concussion protocol than because of the fact that he has got, I think, shoulder and something else issues. Yeah, he's like, I mean, that hit he took. Big time hit. By the way, like, he's taken two massive hits. And if I had, I'm I'm no doctor, I'm no Mm -hmm. Stefania Bell. I would be like, yeah, he's out for like, you know, three, like three. And like the first one he returned from the yeah. following week, this one, he could be back as well. So uh, you can't question the toughness of Derek Carr. It just hasn't been a very good year for this team. Um, Taysom Hill, I should note, missed practice on Wednesday as well. Dennis mm-hmm. Allen also said he's going to be one to monitor throughout. We've got a left hand, I think a foot or an ankle issue. So he's got two things he's dealing with. If he plays tight end 13 for me, he's just one of those like weird, unique players who could get any number of touches and you wouldn't be able to surprise me. But, is Jawan Johnson playable on Sunday? He had the perfect spot last week to go crazy, and he had zero catches on zero targets. It blew my mind. I think he's playable, okay. but it's desperation time. Yep. I mean, that setup, as you mentioned, was perfect, and yep. I think that is your floor out, literally. You can't get yeah, worse than what he did. Um, so, um, Didn't somebody have a, like yeah, one catch fumble, for one nine, catch, negative five yards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could get negative with some fumbles. Um, yep. I'm I'm looking. I'm scouring for better options. Gerald Everett. Yeah. Uh, with all that that lack of um, you know opportunity or um, target competition uh, with the Chargers. Um, Brevin Jordan. Yeah. With Dalton Schultz likely still being on the shelf. There are, there are some players that may be available on your waiver wire that are more attractive. Of course, if Tyson, Taysom Hill, pardon me, has tight end eligibility in your league, way more valuable than uh, than Juwan Johnson. So I'm trying to avoid Juwan Johnson. But if that's your last ditch. Roll the dice. Okay. Yeah. I I, I I don't know exactly where to go there. I just, uh, you know, I, like if I if I made a case for you to trust Juwan Johnson, it's not statistical. It's no, just no, no. merely like no. it it has to happen, right? <laughs> like that's kind of the argument that you have for Juwan Johnson is like, yeah, it's definitely, definitely going to maybe happen, possibly. You guys can sense just how enthusiastic I am about playing Juwan Johnson <laughs> in my voice right now. Let's talk about Jonathan Mingo because you nailed this one. He was a strong DFS, DFS play last week. He had, once again, six catches. Uh, he had 10 targets last yeah. week as like well. That. Over 10 fantasy points in back-to-back weeks. Do we have a new Panthers wide receiver that you are targeting, at least in DFS considerations? Uh, yeah, I think uh, in Daily Fantasy, uh, that dart throw for a guy who's sub 4K and can get you 10 targets. Wow, we'll, yep. we'll take that. To I, beat mean, that. I yeah. don't care what the output is. That's good process. Totally. Under $4,000, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 targets. Very good process in Daily Fantasy. Again, this game's being played in a dome. We have seen with Frank Reich being um, let go and the new regime, maybe it is a um, it is an order from above. Yeah. Force the ball to our rookies. Give the opportunity to these young guys to see what we have. That makes sense yeah. and where the Panthers are with their franchise. So I think Mingo is a streaming option. You have to know what you're getting in terms of floor. It's low, yep. but... 10 targets could be a, a possibility as well. Okay. Uh, I'm with you there. I've got him as uh, for more of a DFS play. I've got him as yeah, wide receiver yeah. 46 this week. Uh, the biggest concern for uh, Jonathan Mingo is that he has yet to find the end zone. Yeah. On Monday, we breathed life into the Evan Ingram touchdown. We Should told we him, here? we said, we, we were like, Evan, we, him and I had a conversation. <laughs> we talked right here, down this, down this camera barrel right here. We said, Evan, you have the most targets of any player in the NFL without a touchdown. You're going to set the record that Deontay Johnson set last year. You're going to break that record. You're going to score a touchdown. Jonathan, 
I don't think it happens this week. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate that I had to do that to no, you, but I don't think it happens. I, get it. I don't I, think it happens. I yeah. would not be predicting a Jonathan Mingo touchdown, but um, like we said, in Daily Fantasy, there's probably a lot more upside value with yeah. playing someone like Jonathan Mingo rather than playing regular uh, season-long fantasy. But again, you can't ignore 10 targets. You can ignore them. And That's the right. yep. context behind that of the coaching change and this young, is clearly the most gifted receiver they have in terms of he speed, is. size, and whatnot. Not the best. That's still Adam Thielen, but the most gifted receiver... That's Jonathan Mingo. That, I would agree on that one. Let's wrap up here on the uh, the Vegas Raiders wide receivers, your old stomping ground, the uh, mm-hmm. Las Vegas area. And uh, Jacoby Myers has a big week 12 after a quiet stretch prior to that. Devontae Adams has kind yeah. of heated up of late, but also that's relative to like yeah, where he was in that long rut. So which one are you playing? Both? Either, neither. I'm assuming Devontae Adams lineup block. I mean, you got to play him. I'm right? playing He's both. Awesome. Yeah, yep. Adams is a lineup block, and yep. I'm going to play both in fantasy um, and daily fantasy. I think both are good options, price dependent. Uh, Adams could be a great tournament play, but Minnesota, their defense is allowing the highest target conversion rate in the NFL. What that means is when someone throws a pass and targets a pass catcher against Minnesota, that pass is being completed 74% of the time this year. That is astonishing. They've allowed, in terms of gross catches, the fourth most receptions of any defense in the NFL this season. We are indoors in Las Vegas. Yeah, we are, baby. So that is an added check there. Um, I think Minnesota and the Raiders could be a sneaky shootout. They with Josh Dobbs now having Justin Jefferson potentially back, yeah. TJ Hawkinson. We could see this game go back and forth uh, and get something like 45, 50 combined points. So I like both wide receivers. Okay. So I like Devontae Adams. I'm a little bit more uncertain on Jacoby okay. Myers just because it was a really quiet stretch. So in the four weeks prior to week 12, he had nine catches on 13 targets for 127 yards and zero receiving touchdowns. <laughs> zero. <laughs> Meanwhile, this past game, he has, as I mentioned, six catches, seven targets, 79 yards, and a touchdown. So you and I have already talked about coach speak earlier on in the show. Do you put a lot of value into it? Some, none? Is it depending on the, who the coach is? I put a lot in Antonio Pierce. I think he's been honest with us. Did you hear what he said about Jacoby Myers? I did not. Please tell me. because that He could... said something to the effect of like, he's the kind of guy that if you're looking for a tough player, I want him on my team. Something like, you know, I don't think it was like if I'm in an alley, I want him by my yeah. side, but something of that vein, right? Like he's tough. I could not decipher what that means, though. Does that mean that like he's really tough? And by the way, he's nasty at blocking for Josh Jacobs. Or is it like he's really tough and we're going to give him 10 targets on Sunday? Uh, see, I, I don't know that. That's a good question. Yeah, um, tough one, right? I, here's what I would say. Antonio Pierce was a tough football player. I think he wants to instill a tough culture in the Raiders. So I'm more inclined to think he wants to reward someone who embodies that toughness with some opportunity. And again, this is a great matchup because Minnesota allows opportunity to be converted through the air. I am bullish on Myers because I think he's actually just a really good football player. I know he's he more good. famous for the, you know, throwing that that pass that was Returned for a touchdown when he was at the Patriots. but The craziest play ever. I've seen him make some great sideline catches, toe taps after the catch. I think he's athletically a really good football player, and I want to bet on that in this spot. Okay. Um, I've got him outside my top 40, so I'm not as as confident. I do want to apologize to the audience, though, and everybody that plays fantasy football. Are you familiar with the War Room League here at ESPN? I am familiar. I'm not yet invited. I hope to one day receive that invitation. So So, uh, my team, a little bit of a rut this year. Not left for dead. We still have, we need to win on Sunday, mm-hmm. and we get a little. We have there are three teams combi- uh, competing for two spots in the playoffs. I'm one of those three teams. I need a little bit of help, but 
you know, there's, there's still a chance here. The team that I drafted this year on paper sounded great mm. coming into the season. It always does, Field. Patrick Mahomes, Devontae okay. Adams. Take that. Cooper Cup. Like that. And Ooh, you're yeah. saying to yourself, like, wow, that's, that's a nice Mark Andrews as well. Okay. Plus, like, the team actually sounds really good still. It's Rashad White, Brian Robinson, Michael Pittman Jr. Mm-hmm. Second flex is, oh, is Josh Downs. Pittman. Pretty good team. A 16-team yeah. league, yeah. right? Except for the fact that Patrick Mahomes and Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams have basically hit like their lowest yeah. possible outcome. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mark Andrews out for the season Done. because of that massive ankle injury. So I want to apologize to you guys because this is what happens. This is what happens when you draft players in the Warham League. They turn into <laughs> the worst versions of themselves. That's what I need to so learn. So I just wanted America to know that if you have Patrick Mahomes or Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup and you're struggling, it's my fault. Like I am well, here to be a magnanimous in this moment. At least you're a big enough man to own it. At least you're a big enough man to say I will accept the yep. fault and blame yep. for what is happening to you, the fantasy football player out there in the yep. world. Yep. So there you have it, people. That's why I, I had to get that off my chest. I have Devontae Adams wide receiver it's 13. Big of you field. Very big of you. But I would have I would have hoped that coming into this season in week 14, I was going here by wide receiver three for the week is Devontae Adams coming off of yet another 10 catch yeah, game. That sounds so, nice, don't America, it? America, I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. Had to get that off my chest. I hope it feels good, and I hope now that the I don't good, know how it feels, the good to be karma that you. you've put out by taking ownership of your yeah. fault in this is now returned with more good karma going forward. Gosh, I hope so. Uh, what are you doing next Thursday? I hope being here. Hopefully we'll have you back. Focus, uh, yeah. I think, honestly, like uh, like two games in, you are the Puka Nakua of fantasy football. Fifth round fantasy draft focus. pick out of BYU. No, 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 no. no, no. That's unfair. <laughs> you were, who, was a, who was a great rookie from, uh, who was the top five pick that you were like, yeah, this guy immediately was nasty. You're CJ Stroud. Oh. Wow. Although I think I used that uh, term on Stefania recently. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with being Puka. I don't care where I was drafted. I don't care where I came in here. Yeah. Am I balling right now? I'll let you determine that, America. But Puka embodies what you want to be. Dude is tough as nails. Yeah, he is. Dude, is, dude has the respect of the veterans like Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. Uh, I just want to get in where I fit in, do my job, and do it well. Washington's becoming a sneaky wide receiver factory. Of course, Puka graduated from, yes. from BYU, but started his college career at point. Washington. So point. many wide receivers up there in the Pacific North West. Uh, RIP to the Pac-12. We will mm. miss you dearly. Tyler Fulgham is the best. You can find him on ESPN Bet Live. Next episode is Saturday? Friday. Friday. No, okay. Friday. We're yeah. back tomorrow. We're back, tomorrow. We're back yep. tomorrow. Six Eastern. ESPN six TV. Eastern time. I and then, of course, in the weekend. Uh, it's it's a funky time of the year in general for yeah. live programming because there's college uh, bowl game, there's NBA, yeah. there's all kinds of stuff happening. But please be sure to check out ESPN Bet Live. You'll see Tyler on Sunday morning on Fantasy Football Now as well. Our full preview continues tomorrow right here. Fantasy Focus, 11 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN's NFL YouTube page and of course wherever you get your podcast for Tyler I'm Field touch you guys tomorrow go Rams <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm kowtowing now if you need a stick of tide field is your guy If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay. And you know that it's a fact. Every hater's gonna yate. Cause he's on TV every day. A spicy tomato who's got the stats and tweets that'll make you laugh. He's our favorite host, and everybody knows his name. He's feeling.